Hello and welcome to another episode of Total Reboot New Release Reviews. We are celebrating the blockbuster. We are celebrating big ass cinema on today's podcast. My name is Alexi Toliopoulos and joining me on the podcast today to talk about Top Gun Maverick, the latest release from the last movie star, Tom Cruise, Thomas Cruise Mapatha the Fourth. <laughs> it is Blake Howard. Lexi, so great to so great to be here. So great to be talking about this flick. It's a flick that so many people have gushed about, and it's one of those ones that truly lives up to the hype. So I'm so glad to be on the hype train. Uh, with you about this, uh, and I can't wait. I just can't wait to dive in. Before we take a nosedive into Top Gun Maverick, you and I are both scholars of Tony Scott. He is one of our guys. He is the late great director of the original film Top Gun, and I feel like this is a bit of a year of celebration coming towards Tony Scott. Two great releases this year, Top Gun Maverick and Michael Bay's Ambulance. feel like they owe so much to the spirit of what Tony Scott was doing with his like hyper-masculine yet tender masculine films. And I think Top Gun, the original, is maybe his best known film. Uh, outside of like Man on Fire and his like later day Denzel classics. But Top Gun has always been the one that has kind of eluded my love. It's never been one that I fully embraced, but I do see a lot of like the greatness of it. Uh, what's your relationship with the original Top Gun? It's probably one of my lesser Tony Scotts. You know me. Like, it's kind of... I'm the last Boy Scout Tony Scott. I'm the Beverly Hills Cop 2 Tony Scott. I'm the Man on Fire Tony Scott. Like, he, mm-hmm. he's such... He's got such a versatility and an overwhelming, uh, you know... Uh, versatility across everything that he's done even as far as like unstoppable which is truly mm, one of the I greatest nine one of the greatest 90 minute spectacles you'll ever see like true romance one of the films that quentin tarantino was like endorses so wholeheartedly that someone else could direct his script he loves you know as a, one of the biggest tony scott fans in the world but this it wasn't or i wasn't always a fan of top gun because it's it's messier and it it's it's on a tighter budget and it, it has Tony Scott's probably some of his most insane visual flair that mm. actually elevates the movie. It's not the content of yes. the movie as much as his insane visual flair. Like, there's two things with Tony Scott. Uh, like, if you remember the original Top Gun, there's a b- briefing session. And in the script, if you read it, it says, interior classroom, daytime. And to Tony Scott bless his damn heart and they even riff on it in Top Gun Maverick he goes we're not shooting this in the classroom this is dumb he set up a whole bunch of tables and chairs in an airplane hangar that had like you know hundreds of millions of dollars worth of American military hangars and a gigantic American flag and he's like Mm -hmm. this is their classroom and I'm like that's why Top Gun still resonates is because this is a guy who can take a volleyball scene and turn it into a softcore, you know, homoerotic porno. This is a guy who can take, you know, masculine friendships in a bar and and turn it into this like rousing sing-along moment in movie cinema. And this is a guy who can turn a classroom scene into this reverential, jingoistic, like ultra, um, you know, uh, ultra uh, um, American triumphalist moment. And like, that's, that's who he was. He was a guy who could just take things and turn them into these iconic images. And so for me, Top Gun, it's fun. It's cute. Um, but, you know, Pete Maverick Mitchell's a pain in the ass and he's anchored and humanized by um, 
one of my favorite actors and a, a guy who I hold so closely after studying him in Zodiac for so long is Anthony Edwards' Goose. And um, it, it's mm. just really, it's it's a terrific movie, but, um, you know, there's so much that so much work that the actors' external lives and their career trajectories and Tony Scott's elevated direction mm. and just the Bruckheimer engine um, and Simpson engine yeah. that is all cresting that give this movie a lore that I think, you know, if you really scrutinize it, maybe the film doesn't completely hold up to. That all being said, though, Top Gun Maverick is a different beast altogether. And I would say, like, for me, Top Gun, the original, is a, t- a film of textures rather than, like, the actual plot of the film. The actual plot of the film has no interest for me whatsoever. <laughs> and I think that's why I've been at arm's length to it my whole life. And I've seen it maybe a half dozen times. Same. But. It's a film of textures for me because it is Tony Scott, one of my idols, one of my heroes when it comes to filmmaking. It's his powerfully framed images that have such rich color to them. The color palette of Top Gun is this beautiful summer dream. And Top Gun features this kind of tender masculinity that you only see in this, like, male military weepies. But I think (laughs) Tony Scott really finds, like, the essence of, like, the tender masculinity and the way that that kind of evolves into, I wouldn't say homoerotic undertones. I think it is, like, the text of the film. To me, Top Gun is gay, and that's the only way (laughs) I can see it. I I think undertones is the wrong descriptor. I think if you're using the word undertones, you're (laughs) underselling it because I feel like it's the actual... Script like saying, of the film. It's, it's the. Plot. It's like saying RuPaul's Drag Race is gay undertones. It's like what? Yes, <laughs> it's a gay movie to me, and it's it's you know it's the homoeroticism of masculinity. You know, men are sexy, and that's a fact of life. And you've got some of the great beauties in the original Top Gun in their most beautiful era, from Val Kilmer to Tom Cruise to freaking Meg Ryan. Oh. And, of course, I just absolutely adore Kelly McGillis. Um, I grew up watching Top Gun and Witness back-to-back many, many times. Wit- I think that Wit- she's just Witness, a one of my fa- actor. Witness, one of my favorite movies all time. She's so good in Witness. She's unbelievable. She- She's such a great actor. And so there's all those elements that come together to like give this beyond lush music video vibe that is kind of the thing that Tony Scott invented in film. It's like the idea of music videos being the films. And it's with this movie. There is a kinetic energy and even just the texture of Sunrise that if you literally play the opening to the original Top Gun and the opening to Bad Boys... You know, speaking of Michael Bay being kind of an mm. acolyte of Tony Scott, it's like it's the same energy, and it's the, it's you know Tony Scott makes this, and then later on you see David Fincher use that sort of energy in film clips, and then Michael Bay does it riffing on both those guys, and it's just it feels like it feels like Tony Scott's fingerprints and influences. He's a director, you know, especially due to his untimely passing. It just feels like he's the director right now that is being rediscovered, not mm. really in the Rediscovered in the way that people are going back and actually seeing the fingerprints of his influences in other filmmakers. And then when you hear, because we now get such an insight into different filmmakers' processes, they're like, oh, no, Tony Scott's my guy. Like, I'm a Tony Scott guy. Mm. Like, even though Ridley is 
Ridley has that much more intimidating name and that sort of more iconic presence. Like mm-hmm. there's so many more Tony Scott heads that are coming out and peeking their heads out from yes. their cracks and being like, actually, I'm a Tony Scott guy. Like I'm Tony. Mm. I'm not a Ridley guy. I'm a Tony guy. I'm very grateful for having like, you know, almost a decade of podcasting on the record <laughs> where I've said time and time again, I'm a Tony Scott guy and he's one of my absolute dudes. Uh, and to see the legacy continue on with Top Gun Maverick is very, very special. Yes. Uh, like you said, Top Gun is one thing. Top Gun Maverick is an entirely different beast. Greetings, aviators. This is your captain speaking. Now, where the hell is he? What the hell? I'm right here. Maverick. The kind is headed for extinction. Look in the air! Look in the air! Maybe so, sir. But not today. Top Gun Maverick. Top Gun Maverick, the latest blockbuster from Joseph Kaczynski, the director of Oblivion and Tron Legacy, stars Tom Cruise as one of his signature roles, Captain Pete Maverick Mitchell, returning after nearly... Four decades of absence from our screens as a once young gun, hot shot, top shit, little bastard (laughs) flying around in his plane. He returns for basically one last job as a top US Navy aviator instructor who must teach an entire new generation of top guns how to defy the odds and complete what I might say and describe as a mission that is extremely close to being impossible. <laughs> you're not wrong. You're not wrong. And uh, with uh, Chris and Ricori penning the script, you're not wrong. I have had so many rare moments that have ever even come close to the way that I felt watching Top Gun Maverick. I can unequivocally say that this film, and this is something that the original Top Gun spoke about which is that you know it was a sort of a jingoistic thing it was a bit of a reagan era um apolitical but very american heavy Mm. film this i mean it is military propaganda the original top gun 100 percent. but this is not military propaganda in as much as it is cinematic propaganda Mm -hmm. there is no need there's no need for international politics because this is a statement about the state of cinema. The only war that's happening right now is the war against this artificiality and cheapness and inauthenticity of contemporary and serialization of contemporary cinema. And it's contending with it using all of the tools of those things. And I have to say, Lex, I adore this movie. I adore it in such a way because I adore its heart. I adore its Howard Hawksian screwball comedy elements. I adore, I adore, the actual character study and the depth that's going into Pete Maverick Mitchell that just absolutely was absent in the first film. He's, you know, there's another, the the most character that Captain Pete Maverick Mitchell is like in this movie is the totally cocksure and unbelievably handsome um, Lieutenant Jake Hangman Saracen played by Glenn Powell. Uh, It's a movie about loss and it's a movie about being a step behind and it's a movie about people telling you that you're extinct and as the great Thomas Mapatha Cruz the fourth says in the trailer of this film, maybe that's so, sir, but not today. I cried more Mm. times than I can remember 
Um, it's beautifully plotted. Uh, it uses words and a lack of words to some of the greatest effects. Um, it beats him down, um, both emotionally and physically. It is staggeringly shot in a way that in multiple occasions in this movie, I just didn't even know how they achieved the things that they did cinematically in, and mm-hmm. it's all real and it's real people inside these jets, you know, whether they're in the, you know, in the rear seat or the front or however it's working. And I just, I, I think in Australia, in the media premiere that I got to see of this film, there was a message from Tom Cruise at the beginning that said, we made this movie for you. And I like, I was almost in tears when he said that I was like, this is a guy who puts his life on the line and is doing it for cinema and was offered hundreds of millions of dollars to put this thing to streaming services in the middle of Mm -hmm. a pandemic and just said, no fucking way. I love this movie unabashedly. It is such an elevation on the original. I just, it, it means the world to me. It's sensational. It's a total exhilaration, this film. Yeah. It is unabashed adrenaline I've not experienced in quite some time in any kind of cinematic sense. This film kind of reinvigorated my love for blockbuster filmmaking. Yes. Something that I've written off in the last few years, being really unimpressed by the direction blockbuster filmmaking is going, and especially like the utilization of IP in filmmaking. Yeah. So IP, I say IPU. I think it's not <laughs> I think it's quite disappointing and quite upsetting the way that IP has been utilized so much in getting people into the cinema, selling tickets, selling merchandise, selling franchises instead of just cinematic experiences. I say often I would die for cinema, but Tom Cruise is the only person putting his (laughs) life on the line to make movies powerful, to make movies truly experiences worthy of sharing with people in your community, of sharing them in a darkened room together, of sharing them on the screen together. And I think Top Gun Maverick is like the mission statement of his entire career culminating together because it's the only time I've seen age be acknowledged in Tom Cruise's oeuvre ever. And he is the auteur of his oeuvre. Even when he's working with the great auteurs like (laughs) Kubrick and Scorsese and Spielberg, Tom Cruise is the auteur of those films (laughs) and they sit in his career rather than their careers. I would say for the most part, you know, don't, don't hold me to it. I'm hyperbolic when I'm talking about movies I love. Um, But this film is such a beautiful expression of Tom Cruise's love of cinema that is unhinged, unbelievable, spectacular. But there's so much in this movie that is beyond the actual spectacle of it all. Like, the spectacle is an experience like no other. And I saw this movie in D-Box, which is the <laughs> where the seats move around in conjunction with what's going on in the screen. And it was when my feet left the ground when we, when we took takeoff for the first time I was deeply engrossed in like what this cinematic experience was putting me into but there's so much in extending Tony Scott's themes of tender masculinity uh, that I think speaks so nicely to, to an audience today with Maverick aging 
Maverick still being the number one, still being the best, like Tom Cruise being the last movie star, but also finding like the masculinity of becoming a father figure, of becoming a mentor and passing things on to the next generation. And the term legacy sequel gets thrown around a lot. And I would say there's so much conversation going, Top Gun Maverick is the great legacy sequel. I think it is in the conversation of great legacy sequels, especially alongside Tom Cruise's other great legacy sequel, where he's the bub, the color of money alongside Paul Newman in Martin Scorsese's film. It's unfathomable to us. But the colour of money so beautifully synthesises this feeling that is so wrapped up in Top Gun Maverick and so beautifully executed here is that the great thing about Fast Eddie, Paul Newman's character in The Colour of Money, is he's staring at Tom Cruise's character going, God, this bravado, this cocksure shit, it's disgusting. It's like looking at my younger self in a mirror and I hate it. And yeah, that's exactly, it's got such of that energy of like looking at, you know, and, and in this film it does it so beautifully because it's riffing on two characters. It's riffing on Miles Teller's rooster, um, who is Goose's son in mm. the film. And it's also the riffing on Hank. The Gosling. Son, son of the Goose. The Gosling. <laughs> Ryan. They should have named him. And, uh, and, <laughs> and, obviously Glenn, and obviously Glenn Powell's Hangman, who is just this like, marriage it's like the the love child of Iceman and Maverick together and he's looking at these two guys and he's seeing fragility and and potential and he's seeing this cocksure you know overconfidence and he's looking at these two guys and he's like these are the fractured mirrors of who I was in my past and he's sort of trying to reconcile with those two things and it's it's just got so much going for it. It's got, and, and, you know, it's definitely, for me, it's not in the conversation. It's in like the top three instantaneously. And there's everything else that is chasing it because it's truly, and, and maybe he's in two of them. Maybe The Color of Money and Top Gun Maverick are the two greatest legacy sequels ever, you know, and, and he, he, he did them both. It's, it's so special, this movie. Mm, it really is. And I think one thing that kind of like has struck me in the day since watching it that is kind of unexpected for a film like this, because so much of the conversation around this film will be in aid of the unparalleled experience of seeing the absolute kinetic energy of those planes as they fly and weave in different formation and the absolute spectacle that goes back to like the dawn of cinema when you've got Howard Hughes like a madman filming planes flying around in duels that has like become like an integral image of cinema going to the original Top Gun to Star Wars the way that George Lucas was inspired by those films that is so much around what the conversation will be and what the memory and legacy of this film will be as far as reviving blockbuster cinema and reviving the actual spectacle of seeing these kind of images on the big screen. But one thing that I find unique about this movie is beautiful ensemble cast, fantastic performers, and there's all these roles that are just like the typical thankless roles that are archetypal to these movies where you've got Glenn Powell populating the role of like asshole who (laughs) is a cocksure guy who puts everyone at risk for his own glory. You've got Jennifer Connelly playing like a former flame love interest who Maverick kind of rekindles a relationship with. You've got 
John Hamm as the stick in the mud, like the thorn in his side, kind of asshole, superior. And, you know, even Ed Harris as the same kind of role, asshole, superior. And these are like the thankless roles that you see so much in these films, but not just populating them with interesting actors that will bring so much to these roles. I feel like these roles are actually written to have some kind of emotional connection in a way and a kind of like the tenderness around this film that feels so I don't want to say lived in but there's an authenticity found in the tenderness of all these characters and the relationships they form with each other that I don't think you see and and never even see in these kind of like archetypal roles that are just here to populate these films speaking of tenderness you know Iceman is a huge part of the Top Gun mythology, Val Kilmer's character. If anyone knows anything about Val, you know that he's had a recent, you know, horrific bout of, like, throat cancer, and he now has to speak basically with a, you know, robotic assistant. And the way that he... The way that they deal with his character in this movie and the way that their relationship has continued and the tenderness with which that they structure that, and I don't want to spoil it because it was just so unfathomably moving for me to watch it and experience mm-hmm. it. I was just I was just gobsmacked because they dealt with the character, they dealt with the way that their relationship works, they dealt with, you know, it's it's even one of the best uses of text that I've seen in a movie, like text messages going between two characters, talking with one another, and loaded, very simple, you know, deliberate mm. phrasing. I, I just, yeah, the, there is no, there. every person in this movie is bringing, like, their absolute hottest game possible and they're all just doing absolutely everything with it. the script is outstanding there is not a wasted moment for any character in this movie they all get such great moments and yeah like you said it's the the tenderness of tom cruise being the butt of jokes being alone gracelessly stumbling out of a window um, to avoid an embarrassment uh you know all all these things and 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 you know gracelessly being top top tossed out of a bar and all those things it's just there's just something really special about all the ways that this movie in some act of huge defiance that this movie is defies all of our expectations about what it can be, what it is going to do um, and extends it in such a way that it like, it doesn't, it doesn't just meet the original Top Gun. It, 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 it slavery, you know, it's like Wayne's world. Speaking of Mike check, we're on the hallowed <laughs> Mike check to, you know, we're not, it, it clearly is saying we're not worthy to its predecessor in many ways, but at the same time, it's it's actually saying not only in saying I'm not worthy, it's it is worthy, and it actually is exceeding every expectation and every every possible thing you could do with that mythology. I just think, yeah, it's 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 totally unbelievable. The meta textuality of this film is quite stunning. And it's to me, I yeah. did think this would be a good film because obviously I love Tom Cruise. I think this era of Tom Cruise's career is utterly fascinating and we'll never see anything like it before since in the distant future anywhere on this earth. We'll never see uh, a true maniac of cinema quite like Tom Cruise. <laughs> He's a cinemaniac of the highest order. And I do King. really like Joseph Kaczynski. And I've wanted to see Joseph Kaczynski really get a film like this that utilizes all his talents. Joseph Kaczynski, before becoming, breaking out as a filmmaker, he was studying 
aerospace engineering. Could there have been a more perfect person to who creates such spectacle with his films, like Tron Legacy? That's one of the greatest spectacles I've ever seen on the big screen. Oblivion, an entirely underrated science fiction film from Tom Cruise and Joseph Kaczynski. To see him get one of the big properties like this of Tom Cruise's legacy, Top Gun, and it's a film that's legacy is strong in the culture, but to actually make the film that meets the legacy and improves upon the original by employing the ideas of metatextuality of aging of these movie stars. And that moment you talked about where Val Kilmer and Tom Cruise meet as Iceman, as Maverick again, and we f- just get the inklings of their history that has gone 40 years or almost 40 years since the last film came out where you see that how their relationship changed and evolved over those decades after their young man they when they're like on the crest of adulthood in the original adventure together is powerful and that Val Kilmer performance is powerful and that is the entirety of what a movie star can bring the cultural cachet the cultural wealth the wisdom that we imply when we see these movie stars we know their lives we know all their films and i really think it is one of the greatest movie star moments of meeting of seeing them together on that screen that's powerful and i think it's tom cruise's best performance Maybe since In Collateral, years. maybe In since years. Tropic Thunder. And I'm not saying that, I'm not using that to denigrate his other work. I think he's fantastic as Ethan Hunt. I think he's great in Night and Day. All these other movies over the Edge last of like, Tomorrow. 20 years. Edge of Tomorrow oh, is so fun. So fun in that movie. So fun. And I think they're all great performances, but this is a moment that I've wanted for so much, for quite some time, to see like the actual thespian Tom Cruise reignite and utilize all his talents together of storytelling of producing of creating stunt moments of creating like huge kinetic energy on screen and to get his actual performance and emotional chops to meet those together top gun maverick is a spectacle like you've never seen there's nothing like it and i think after this kind of effusive gush you would guess this movie for me is absolutely five stars. I could not even for a split second think about giving it less. It is, I walked out of the cinema, skipped out of the cinema, in fact, willing to cancel every streaming service that I'd ever, <laughs> I'd ever subscribed to. I'm like, it's done. Streamers are done. Cinema is back. The blockbuster is back. Tom mm. Cruise is out. Tom Cruise has shown us the way. Um, it, it might not. It might be over. It might be a, a last gasp. But oh man, what a gasp! What a gasp! It's the rapturous response that we hoped something like Tenet would have been to bring people back into the cinema, to bring blockbuster filmmaking back to the spectacle that it deserves. And I, too, am giving it five stars. I have struggled with thinking, am I going to go up there? But I don't think I've had this kind of experience in Lord knows how long. I can't even fathom the last time I felt as of, as exhilarated as I have, feeling my feet lift off the ground as my chair rumbled away. 
<laughs> I wasn't even in those seats, and I was my chair was rumbling, my feet were off the ground, I've, I, uh, my shirt was shaking. It was an unbelievable experience. Top Gun Maverick. It's a five star experience. That's 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 it. You really that's should it. see it on the big screen. I'm going to see it a few more times. I'm going to go experiment Easily. with all the other gimmick cinemas around town as well. <laughs> see what what they can all offer. I love this movie. I love it. I love it. I love it. And I don't think there'll be a cinematic experience like it this year. And if there is, then we're more spoilt than I can ever remember. And it's the total birth of finally Glenn Powell as a movie star. His last two years, he's been waiting for this movie to come out. <laughs> he's got such a great career. And I think there's a few people that feel like they're in that like link later pool of uh, the everybody wants some graduating here. And Miles Teller, fantastic in this movie. It's Total movie star. It's just total a movie star performance. Gr- uh, it's a birth of all these movie stars. I think it is... So exciting. God, I can't wait to just keep watching this movie till the day I die. And hopefully that's soon because I don't know how much my heart can take watching this movie over and over again. Uh, Blake Howard, always a pleasure to hang out with you talking about flicks. Uh, We have been doing some podcasting together over on your podcast feed, One Heat Minute Productions. We've been talking about Imprint Films. It's a boutique Blu-ray label here in Australia. And we just covered their latest batch that includes this incredible box set called After Dark Neo-Noir Cinema Collection Volume 1. And we have in fact got an audio commentary on this box set that is like a film degree, an entire film semester in a big old box set that talks about all these undervalued, underappreciated, underseen great neo-noir films of the 1990s. Tell us a little bit about the film that we have got a freaking audio commentary on, brother. It is a film starring Paul Newman. It is a film starring Gene Hackman, Susan Sarandon, James Garner, Giancarlo Esposito, Reese, Grease Witherspoon, um, and it's a film called Twilight. It is a film that's directed by Robert Benton and also written by Robert Benton and Richard Russo. It's a terrific noir film, Hollywood set, about a sort of aging former cop detective that's struggling to make his way in the opulent and affluent L.A. hills and town. And he's been hired, as you do, by you know a, a kind of pathetic ex-Hollywood producer to kind of be his live-in, uh, you know, um, gopher going about getting his sort of stuff. You know, uh, very once upon a time in Hollywood-ish, you would see mm. that sort of thing, like a gopher that's yeah, there. A- and he gets caught up in a bit of a mystery that's involving these characters and some wheeling and dealing and sort of um, dark, uh, a a bit of a dark underbelly of some of the actions that have led them um, to this position of uh, privilege. And uh, it's, it's kind of a weird mirror to not only um, great classic noirs like Hollywood story, but it's a, a bit of a mirror on the careers of all of the wonderful actors there. And so it's got this great sense of intersexuality that as you're watching these characters on screen, you're interacting with the personas and, and the, and the mythical status that they all have. And Lex and I do quite a, a silly, goofy and like, unfairly fun um, commentary. It's not fair <laughs> how much fun that we had recording it. And it's in a box set that features, I mean, we, Twilight may not even be our favorite film that's in the set. It has After Dark, My Sweet, which is unbelievable, uh, directed by James Foley. Um, it also has One False Move, Carl Franklin's maybe second best neo-noir other oh. than Devil of the Blue Dress. Um, also has Rush, Mortal Thoughts, and Flesh and Bone, and of course, as I said, Twilight. Truly um, quite expensive. So um, if you're a, a physical media head and you're kind of a bit 
um, cagey about like a big purchase, we totally get it. But you would not be disappointed with this in your collection in mm-hmm. any way, shape, or form. And so we're really proud of it, and I'm proud that we got to do it together. And and when we actually received the set itself and saw what else was there, we're like. There, if there is something that could have been kicked off this set, it is mm-hmm. absolutely us. <laughs> we, we did. We I did actually not think if it. we were kicked off, it might improve the entire box set. <laughs> they might have been able to charge probably another fifteen bucks more if we weren't part of it. So you guys owe us. We got the price down for you. We haggled it. No, absolutely. I know. I, I, I'm changing my position. We lowered the price for you. Thank <laughs> us. Thank us. Thank us. But it's such a ripper box set. It's such an honor to be part of it. So check it out. It's called After Dark Neo Noir Cinema Collection 1. Some great neo noir films in there. If you're curious about neo noir films, it is like truly, like I said, it's a film degree in a freaking box. Um, You will never learn about neo noir better than watching some great classics that are what shape the genre before the bigger films come out later in the 1990s. It's so cool. Blake, you've got one Heat Minute Productions. You're building up to some great stuff with Podcaster and Commander coming out. But in the meantime, you're about to drop into Michael Mann's TV show, Tokyo Vice, with a little sojourn with one of our great film critics. Yeah, Katie Katie Walsh and I, who do Miami Nice together, doing uh, the entire eight-episode series, unpacking them uh, very shortly. There's going to be all the way up to episode five. Then the final three episodes we will um, uh, we'll be unpacking as well. Nice in-depth discussions there, um, diving into everything, the filming, the filmmakers, their influences, the music, uh, absolutely everything, and just some of the discourse around it. So excited to do that. Lots of other exciting stuff happening and uh, some really great upcoming guests, uh, you know, lining up for Miami Nice as usual. So very excited there. And yeah, as you said, podcaster and commander about Peter Weir's master and commander um, is building into a series right now. We have the great Peter Weir. Who is locked and loaded and recorded on the show, um, and Captain Unreal. Captain Jack himself, Rusty Crow, is waiting in the wings. We're waiting him to finish filming and uh, his latest film, and and then uh, hopefully once we get him on the record, that's when we'll start dropping the show. So I can't wait. It's going to be so cool. It's such a great movie, and it's the perfect next step for the evolution of Blake Howard to <laughs> be tackling one of the great modern epics, um, and also. Currently on the Total Reboot feed, Cameron and I are in the midst of our heist mini-series. The man sitting across me right now is one of the great thinkers when it comes to heist films. So surely the guy is going to make an appearance sometime soon. (laughs) But later this week, it's Cameron and I together talking about an unheralded 1990s classic of the heist genre starring Queen Latifah, Jada Pinkett Smith, Mm. alongside Vivica Fox, John McGinley. It is set Set it off off. by director F. Gary Gray. Set it off is such a sick movie. You can rent it on iTunes um, or Amazon, whatever you use. It's such a great film and not many people have seen it. But Blake, would you agree? It's like a definitive heist film. About a year ago, it was in my blind spot. We had a one of our many text conversations um, about every yes. kind of movie. And I proselytized like, this movie you, last you, year to you, a lot of people. You gushed so hard at me, like you haven't seen this movie, and gave me a real like shellacking in text form, and I and I relented, and it's wonderful, and I'm I I'm so excited to hear you guys talk about it. I love the miniseries that you guys are doing right now. I feel like you're just doing all the things that I want to hear. So I'm just like, yes, this is exactly for me. Um, these are the kinds of movies that 
I think about and love and uh, agonize over and study. And so, yeah, set it off is just a banger. I can't wait to hear you guys chat about it. Well, it'll be coming out this Friday. Thank you all for listening, everybody. Enjoy cinema. Go see Top Gun Maverick. It's a double five-star feature. Come on. (laughs) What else gets that? It's so sick. I can't believe how much I love Top Gun Maverick and how much I love you, dear listeners. Enjoy cinema. Celebrate it every day. And please become a dear old cinephile and fuck some pictures as well. (laughs) 